Good morning. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrary over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there... I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The word of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be home. I say that at every church because uh, this, is our, this is our home. I mean, I thank God for the church, the body of Christ, uh, brothers and sisters, some folk you have not met yet, but it's like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're home. Amen. Because there's something that connects us as family that is actually bigger than our cultures, our race, our politics, how we feel on certain issues, uh, the blood of Jesus is what transcends all of the things that we have to discuss and struggle through. And a lot of those things are very, very, very important. But why do we keep coming back to the same dinner table as family? Because after the struggle, after the talk, after the conference, after uh, the food fight, we got to settle down and learn how to love each other in the body of Christ. So let me pray for us, and I'll get started. Father, thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for your love and kindness, your tender mercy. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Eric and this church allowing me to speak. I pray, Lord, that you will give me something to say that will touch every single person. Lord, we cannot hide from you. You are so on to us. Help us, O oh Lord, to learn how to love you, to love our neighbor, to love our city, O oh Lord, and we just thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm Pastor Mike Higgins, and uh, I'm related to Mary, uh, her dad, got her mom. 
you know, her mom is here. My brother is here, Craig. And uh, so we bought our family to just kind of connect with the rest of the family, okay? So uh, I, I, in preaching, I, I really out myself. I mean, I actually say things about myself so you can actually understand that some of the things that you struggle with, I struggle with them too. Sometimes preachers may seem like people who are from another planet. We're not. It's the same planet. So I love suits. I like men's suits. Uh, and so we were living in what was then the Federal Republic of West Germany, because the wall was still up. Mary was a little kid. And so I had uh, spent some money on some materials to make some three-piece suits. So I was stationed in Europe, stationed in Germany. So the material came, and I had picked this very expensive material. We couldn't afford it. Renee said, don't do that. And I was thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a captain. I can do what I want. Uh, got the material, found a place in Frankfurt that I could actually send and have the material cut into these nice suits. Got the suits back, and I mean, I just, I'm like, man, these suits are just great. So what I had done was I, when I picked up the suits in Frankfurt, I actually had them in a garbage bag. I mean, I just a clean trash bag and uh, went home. And when I got home, Renee said, then you need to take trash out. So uh, I picked up the wrong bag. Through the suits that she told me not to buy in the dumpster. And when I was showing somebody my suits, one of the other, other officers came over, army officers, and I said, man, I got these suits made. You got to see these suits. And when I opened up the bag, it was garbage. You see, in a way, uh, this is really fitting for a person who actually would say, no, my stuff is more important than you. Because Renee had said, don't do that. So in this text, we have a question. We, we have a warning. We have a parable. And I think that I was trying to call this Storage Wars. You guys have ever heard of that, uh, that show, Storage Wars? We have so much storage space because many of us have accomplished the American dream. I mean, we've got so much of the American dream that our houses cannot hold all the dream that we have so we got to actually have storage space. Now, some folk have stuff in storage legitimately because, you know, they're in transition, something like that, you know. But this, this show has been on TV for 14 seasons, 351 episodes. And what I was thinking about was how much storage space did we have in the United States, you know, just a few decades ago. 
Not a whole lot. But right now, one out of 11 Americans pays at least $100 a month for storage. One out of 11 pays $100 a week, a, a month for storage. We have 50,000 storage facilities in our country. Say the American dream gets big. 2.3 billion square feet of space. Jesus was talking about something totally different in this part of the Bible, and out of nowhere, somebody who was not paying attention to Jesus preaching actually had something else on their mind. Now, now the guy interrupted Jesus. I mean, Jesus was preaching. I mean, if somebody falls asleep while I'm preaching, I mean, I'm like, well, the, this guy, he was kind of, not even thinking when Jesus was preaching. And, and the point of this parable is not money is evil. That's not the point. Because money is a tool. It's like tools in your toolbox. Uh, you should use it for the right thing, know when to use it. Uh, we have to be good stewards over money. But the problem in this parable is that continuous love and lust for just more. I mean, we, we, we live in a culture where nothing is enough. We don't even believe that we are enough. It's like God should have added, if he had to give me just one more inch of height and, 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 and keep my afro from getting thin to where it's have to shave my head. I mean, if, if God could have just let me retain, you know, my youth or my health, or, or something. We just don't think enough is enough. I mean, we don't think Jesus is enough. That's why we have to keep getting together, telling each other Jesus is enough. Matter of fact, you are enough for Jesus. It's just the lust for more. Ecclesiastes 1.7 says this, All the rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. I mean, all of the rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. So in this text, we're going to have a, the parable. Uh, it's called the parable of the rich fool. But before we get to that, we have somebody asking the question who is potentially a rich fool. So we have a potential fool asking a question, and Jesus answered him with a real fool, fool story. It's a parable, so Jesus can say things like, well, he heard a voice saying, fool, your, your soul is required. It's a parable. Jesus can use his own imagination. The man comes up, and, and he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, he was probably a younger brother because the older brother gets a double portion and the younger brother, you know, uh, he, he, he has a need to get Jesus, who was a rabbi and not a judge, to make a 
decision that requires an arbitrator, which, you know, this is really weird because my brother Craig has just been given a circuit court judgeship, so he actually is a circuit court judge. But I'm thinking that if Craig and I were standing here, the person would probably come to me because I'm a preacher. He wouldn't go to a judge who actually knew the law. He would come to me because, well, you know, I'm a grace man. And I'd probably say, man, give your little brother more money. You don't need all that money, bigger brother, even though the law says, and familial uh, law says you can have it. He would probably come to me, and we could both be wearing black robes, but he would figure out which guy is the actual judge. Jesus does not answer that question directly. And I tell you what I've learned from Jesus. I have learned the art of avoidance with Jesus. It's like when people come to me and they say, Pastor Mike, Dr. Higgins, how did you vote? I just look straight ahead. I don't even breathe. Because I know that this question is trying to figure out, well, which side of our congregation are you on? I just look straight ahead. And then they leave. <laughs> With Jesus, should we pay taxes? Well, somebody bring me a fish. It's a yes or no question. Should we pay taxes? Well, who is my neighbor? Well, I was a guy on the road to Jericho. No, I don't want a story. I just want you to plainly tell me on this issue how I should vote if I am a real Christian. If I'm a real Christian, tell me who I should vote for because I'm a real Christian. Jesus tells a story and leaves the basketball bouncing in your end of the court. And you think you do what you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Instead, we tried to create inside the church crypts and bloods. And then we make the communion table into nothing if we don't watch ourselves believing that our trust is not in Christ, but it's in how we do everything outside the church. Jesus gave a warning. And he said when it comes to thinking about riches, you better watch yourself. Psalm 14 and 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I'm sure that's when we start trying to figure out, how do I live my life without God? That's what this guy was doing. The, the text says that it, it, seems, it just seems obvious that God's work is all over the place in this parable. The land produced... The land did it. Now, I don't know if he had good John Deere tractors and the climate was just right and he knew what kind of manure to use. All I know is God puts the life in the land. 
And all this stuff works because Jesus as the Logos, all of the knowledge that we need to do what we do comes from God. The land produced so much of an abundance, it caused a dilemma. Now, I've never had so much money that I said, I just don't know what to do with all this money. But it caused a dilemma because when you think there is no God, all of the managerial stuff falls on you. You got to manage everything. You got to manage money. You got to manage people. You got to manage CNN. You got to manage Fox. You, 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 got, you got to manage the church. Uh, it's, just, it's just hard when there is no God. That's a lot of fear. When there is no God. It got so bad that the man started talking to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Don't raise your hand. I mean, have you ever, maybe some of you this morning said, you know what? Self, something got to happen. Self, something has got to change. Self, I got to get my stuff together. This guy talked to himself and he forgot that some 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's. Not only the earth, but the fullness thereof. The world and those who live in it. Let me tell you, in the beginning, God, he forgot that. But then he came up with a plan. I know what I'm going to do. Because I got too much dream going on. I will tear down. Now, this would be fine if he was on an island just by himself. But how about loving your neighbor? How about uh, can you distribute stuff? I will tear down, and then I'm going to rebuild. Then I'm going to have room for more stuff. And when I get all my stuff into this one barn, I'm going to relax. I mean, I've had those days where I've just said, Lord, I just want to just go to a place and just relax and just have everybody serve me. I created a religion. It's called Mike-ism. I mean, it's great if you're Mike. In Mike-ism, um, everybody worships me. Everybody does what I want. I mean, the problem with Mike-ism is that God ain't dead. And God cares about Mike. So God does things to Mike. So that Mike will... Understand that dependency is not on Mike, it's on God. God orchestrates stuff in your life just to get your attention and ask you, so when I was talking about such and such, why were you thinking about money just now? When they get 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. We're talking about a guy who's, who has his... 
his hopes, his own personal dreams have been answered. I don't think this is the, the I have a dream speech that Martin Luther King was talking about. Uh, but something happens with the human heart when we just get, not just get too much, because getting too much is not a sin, but how you manage the too much, that can be very ungodly. What did, what did Paul say to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 6? But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Read it. For we brought nothing into the world. We brought nothing into the world and... We can take nothing out of it. We can't take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... Yes. We will be content. We will be content. I hope we can be content with what God gives us. And Paul says, if we just have food and clothing... And that's a hard statement, but it goes back in line with a mighty fortress is our God. The part that says, let goods and kindred go. Mm. That's hard for me. I don't like that. I just don't like that. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. I mean, so what am I going to have? What am I going to have? What can I take with me? I mean, I love, well, you know, I love cars that are eight cylinders, have Hemi engines. Well, 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 how do you get around in the new earth? (laughs) Is there a sweet potato pie in the new earth? How about the new heaven? Uh I mean, this letting goods and kindred go. Look, I'm in America. We dream about capitalism. Then we dream about more capitalism. This is a this is an anti-capitalistic song. Uh-oh. Well, it's one of the best songs I know. I usually cry when I hear it. Because the grace of God is all over a mighty fortress is our God. Yes. God didn't depend on nobody up there in heaven to help save your soul. Nobody, not none of the angels, nobody. God did it himself. And he did not save your soul for you to become God and replace him with a big barn full of rice or wheat or whatever. What what did he say, Renee? I'm sorry. People who want to get rich fall into temptation Uh and a trap. Yes. And into many foolish and harmful desires. Come on. That plunge men into ruin. Paul is saying... Money and stuff, if we don't watch ourselves, and we all should be watching ourselves, it will cause you to overreach. Something is out of your reach. It, you cannot get it. It's, it's, it's out of your reach for a reason because God may be saying, it ain't time for you to have that. But, and, and let's, let's just get like Indiana Jones crazy here. It's like the cup of Christ. And, you know, it's, I can get the, the what is that thing? The, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, I can get the Holy Grail right after the German lady just fell in the hole because she couldn't get the Holy Grail. Now uh-huh. you're saying, well, but I think I can get it. Uh-huh. And he is, 
you know, Harrison Ford is like overstending himself over molten lava. I mean, but I think I can get it. Dude, it's a drop. I mean, it's, you're going to, you know. That, that need for more will cause you to overstand yourself. And Renee, then what did he say? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money. The love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. Go ahead. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith yes. and pierced themselves with many griefs. If we don't watch, especially where we live, we don't want to overextend ourselves and try to reach something that God is saying, that is out of your reach for a reason. I'm smarter than you. In 1970, and I'm going to have to come to a close here. In 1970, there was a song from one of my favorite, favorite groups, the OJs. They wrote a song in 1970, and the name of the song was The Love of Money. Oh, man, nothing like singing about money, you know, clapping on two and four. Come on. Here's some of the lyrics. It just says, I'm going to just read it. For the love of money, people will steal from their mother. For the love of money, people will rob their own brother. For the love of money, people can't even walk the street because they never know who in the world they're going to meet. And then it says, for that lean, lean, mean, mean green. And let me tell you. If you are a person who does not need more storage space, but you trust that God has given you enough right now for contentment, doesn't mean you ain't going to get more. But where you're standing right now on the 17th of July, can you say, God is enough for me? Can you say that God's provision is enough for me. No, don't look and see how big the other person's born is. We're not talking about that born. We're talking about what do you have? Brothers and sisters, when there is no God, we have to work very hard for ourselves when there is no God. When my hope is in something other than God to meet my provisions. I have to work very hard because I got to manage it. I got to store it. I got to make sure you don't get it. I'm, I sit up at 2 o'clock in the morning wondering, is somebody in the barn? Jesus died. He died to give you himself. He died to give you to one another. He died and rose to make sure that you did not have to trust more in any ism than him. See, in the Old Testament, they had the ites, Hittites, Jebusites, Canaanites, Amalekites. They had the ites. In the New Testament, 
we got the isms. We got racism, capitalism, nationalism, sexism, socialism, Marxism. And unfortunately, within the church, we have actually labeled each other these things. But can we actually say that Jesus has come so that we do not have to work so hard at managing our stuff and making sure that y'all don't get more than I do? I'm going to say this and stop. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 said this, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There don't need to be any mark, any micisms. He says, "My take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am lowly and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." And just to remind you that Jesus loves you so much, even though you may have blown some of your resources, maybe you have lost things, and you say, you know, my, come to Jesus. We were, we were in Arkansas, I was preaching in Arkansas last weekend, and my grandson, Moses, who some of y'all know, had taken some of my Beats headphones to listen to his little stuff in the car. We had an Airbnb. Those Beats headphones cost $300. I mean, they were Dr. Dre headphones. <laughs> we got back home to St. Louis, and I said, Moses, I said, where's my headphones? And he just broke down in tears. He said, Papa, I think I left them in the Airbnb. And do you know, as sinful as I am, I never had the urge just to grab him and say, you know, those headphones cost $300, boy. That never crossed my mind. The fact is, I saw him crying because he had lost something that wasn't his. I just grabbed him and hugged him. I said, Moses, they're just headphones. Sometimes it's better just to say it's a thing instead of telling somebody how much they cost you. They're just headphones. And I don't care who you are and what you've done. You come to Jesus. And you may say, I lost uh, $300 headphones, and he would just say, they're just headphones. I mean, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for Central West End Church, a mighty group of people. Thank you for everything you do for them, and I pray, oh God, that they know that what you give us is enough. Thank you. Amen.